What's going on, man? It's your boy, Jay Holly, and we are back again. Another episode of Unfiltered with Jesse Holly, episode 20. I get more and more hyped every time I say that to myself, but thank you, thank you, thank you. You are all far too kind. You could have been anywhere in the world, but I am so glad you are here with me. I am Jesse Holly, the sports talk equivalent of Braille. People feel me when I speak. Remember, like, subscribe. Tell a friend, tell a friend, go listen to us on uh, Spotify, um, Apple, like a, leave a five-star comment, leave a five-star and a comment, give me five stars and a comment, do all of that, tell a friend to tell a friend uh, that we outside, we outside and we doing, we're doing our thing, man, uh, this is another great week, man, sports is sportsing, we got basketball, we got baseball, we got football, we got everything in today's show, but you guys know how I like to get down, I like to give my positivity in the beginning, because let's be honest, some of y'all ain't going to make it to the end, I'm just not for everybody, but give me three listens, give me 15 minutes, give me three listens for 15 minutes, and I think I can change your mind, I do. And shout out to everybody who reaches out to me and say, man, we appreciate the positivity at the beginning. I, I, I want to give you sports content. I want to give you laughter. I want to give you information. I want to give you insightful thought processes and all that thing. But I want to encourage too. Like that, at the end of the day, if if I can't leave this earth one day and be remembered for more than just the play in San Francisco or for fourth and long, whatever, I want to be remembered for more than that. So that's why I always want to give my positivity in the beginning. I want you to feel me throughout this entire show. All right, here's what I got for you guys today. This might, this, this, I'm, I'm going to be stepping on some toes. I'm going to be stepping on some toes with this one today, but here we go. Um, to me, this is, this is, this is fact. This is just fact. And I think it's honest. And I think it's real. I think it's raw, but here is my positivity today. You cannot, let me repeat. You cannot, let me repeat. You cannot defeat the demons you enjoy playing with. You cannot defeat the demons you enjoy playing with. I'm not sitting up here as Saint Jesse. I'm not sitting up here that I'm holier than now. I too suffer from problems that just like you. I'm human just like you. We all have our vices, but I'm here to tell you. Some of the things that you've gotten yourself into... You're going to need a little bit of help getting out of those things. Because if you could stop playing with those demons that are that, that, that are defeating you right now in life, you would. But you can't. Because if we're being honest, sometimes we enjoy dancing with the devil. When we know we're not supposed to. See, we want to have this moment where we're saying, I'm getting better, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. But then we fall right back into the plan of the enemy. It is very, very difficult when you have a habit or an addiction or a vice or something that has grabbed hold of you and you're trying to shake it. I'm here to tell you, you can't do it by yourself. You got to find something or someone or a group of people or counseling or something to help you defeat those things that you've gotten yourself into. Far too often as humans, and I speak for men at times, I speak for men, I'm not going to speak for all the ladies, I'm not a lady, but I speak for the men. A lot of times as men, we think, oh, I'm good. Oh, I, I can handle this. Oh, I can get myself out of this. Oh, that's not going to tempt me. Oh, that's not going to... Man, let me tell y'all something. The enemy and the devil, they know he knows exactly what tempts you. 
He knows exactly what can get you off your path. He knows exactly the stumbling blocks to throw in front of you. Yeah, you might be good today, but he'll come even harder tomorrow. Pause. Sorry, I mean, I got to be focused and serious in this. But, and then the next day, and then the next day, and the enemy will not stop until you fall. So we have to be careful about the things that we get ourselves involved in because we think it's as simple as, oh, I'll get me out of this. Nah, you got your butt in it. But it's very hard when we start playing around with them demons. It's very hard when we start playing around with those vices, those addictions. Because I can tell you right now, from personal experience, it's tough to defeat the thing we enjoy playing with. It's tough to say no to the thing that uh, that, that we enjoy indulging in. And those of you who are fighting these demons and fighting through those things, keep going. I'm here to tell you I'm proud of you. I'm here to tell you that, man, way to go. If the demons were alcoholism and now you're taking a step to get out of alcoholism and you're in AA classes and you're in small group classes, way to go. I'm proud of you. Keep going. Keep pushing. One day at a time. If, if it's pornography, if it's uh, 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 you, you spend money too much, you can't save well, whatever it is, whatever, the, whatever those demons are that you're dealing with, drugs, whatever it is, social media, hello, but still watch me on YouTube. But whatever those things that you're dealing with, it's tough to defeat the demons you enjoy playing with. And it's okay to go get help. It really is. It really is. It doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you less than. It doesn't make you, uh, uh, your shortcoming. It doesn't do any of that. It, it makes you smart. <laughs> Guess who cannot fix an engine? Me. You know what I do when my engine acts up? I go get help. Guess who can't fix their own teeth? Me. You know what happens when my bicuspis ain't right? I go get help from a dentist. You know who, who is not an anatomy major? Me. You know what happens when my body ain't acting right? I go get help from a doctor. The resources are put there for a reason, to help you. If I always try to fix the things that I know that I can't fix, I'm going to lose. It's the same thing when you're battling, you're trying to defeat these demons. It's okay to go get some help. It's okay. But if you think that you have the power to defeat the demons that you enjoy playing with, you're in for a rude awakening. And you're in for a bunch of elves that you're about to receive. You're going to lose at every turn. And it will win. It's more... It's, it's, it's more powerful than you think. It's more relentless than you think. It's more tantalizing than you think. And at the end of the day, it's more devastating than you think. And I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to me. I just hope that you listen. Remember, you can't defeat the demons that you enjoy playing with. All right, man, let's get to this thing. You already know how we get down. Cowboys, Niners, Sunday night football. This is, this is what makes people like me, what I like to call football horny. 
when you when you have matchups like this, the, the Niners have defeated the Cowboys the last two seasons in the playoffs, knocking them out the playoffs. They've been the bullies. They've been the they big bro. They big bro. Cowboys a little bro. But the greatest thing about this is, guess what? You got to play them again. And now you get an opportunity to challenge yourself, to test yourself, whatever you want to call it, a, ta- a challenge or a test. Shout out to my man, Nate Newton. But when you when it's good versus good, ooh. When, it, when the NFL uh, uh, schedule makers were looking at this game, they said, boy, what a matchup. The long rival history of Cowboys, Niners dating back to the 70s. We know what it was in the 90s. We know what it was September 18, 2001, 2011. That's just, you know, that's just me. 77. I got quoted the one. It's okay. But this rivalry has been, this is, this is a rivalry. They don't, this is something that you go back and, and your, your daddy's daddy, daddy was a part of watching th- these epic Niner Cowboys battles. And this Sunday, it's no different. You get an undefeated Niners team, you get a one loss Cowboys team. I said this coming in to, maybe about three, four weeks ago. Normally a team, and this is with all teams, they, they, they build their team to first win their division. Because if you win your division, then you've guaranteed yourself a playoff berth. And then you, build, you, you figure out your team is good enough to win the division, and then you say, all right, cool, we're going to win our conference. And then you get a chance to play the, the AFC if you're the Cowboys and the AFC, if you're, if you're, you know, AFC, NFC, depending on what tide you come on. But I, I felt like the Cowboys weren't trying to build their team to beat Philadelphia, to beat Washington, to beat the Giants. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's a part of it. But I felt like the Cowboys were building their team very similar, might I add, to the way that the Niners have built their team because they saw them as big bro. And they saw them as the bullies on the block. And the only way to defeat them is to build your team for that. And I'm, I'm, I'm in love with this matchup, man. When you talk about two Titans going at one another, I looked at some of the, uh, the highest graded rushers in the National Football League. This is all of the football league. Number one, Nick Bosa for Niners. Number two and number four, Tank Lawrence and Micah Parsons, the Cowboys. You're going to get two of the best rushers in all of football. Nick Bosa, who is the reigning defensive player of the year, and the, 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 the runner-up, Micah Parsons. Now, even though to me Nick Bosa won the award, when I watched them on film, I think I, and this is not Homer talk. Y'all know I'm honest. I'm, 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 I'm a very opinionated, but I keep it real. Nick Bosa, yes, he won the sack battle. And a lot of times that usually happens. If you have the most interceptions or you have the most sacks or whatever, you get the chance, to, you, you're kind of a front runner for the award. And and to you know, to to, to Bosa's credit, Micah kind of fell off the second half of the year last year. He started out the year very hot. Last six games of the season for Micah last year, one sack. And it's always, and with those awards, it's what has you done for me lately? What what was the lasting impression you left on the mind of the voters? And Micah, it wasn't it, he wore down. He looked tired, he looked banged up, and he didn't, he didn't have that same pop and that flair that he had earlier in the year where he was getting at least two sacks a game. Nick finished the year out strong, won the award, but Micah was nipping at his heels. You get a chance to see those guys today. I looked at the offensive grade, the players that have graded out in all of football, the highest so far. Uh, number one, 
Tyler Smith, Cowboy. Number two, Brendan Ayuk, Niner. Uh, number five, Christian McCaffrey. Number seven, Trent Williams. Number eight, Dak Prescott. This is going to be a battle of the Titans. Uh, teams that score over 50% in their games. Over 50% on their drives. I know we have some red zone issues, but the Cowboys are still putting up points. Quarterbacks, Brock Purdy, number one. Sorry, Brock Purdy's number two at 56%. Dak Prescott, number three, 53.8%. You're talking about the Titans. These guys are going to be battling down in, down out for four quarters. And I am absolutely in love with what's going to happen in this game. And I want to kind of just break it down a little bit. For me, it's I know that I'm I'm gonna do I'm gonna do Cowboys offense and Niners defense. And then I'll I'll do some more on Friday. I'll flip it and I'll do Niners offense, Cowboys defense. But for me, the Dallas Cowboys and what they've done, and and when I went into my film study, the first thing that I thought about when I went into film study was this. If there is any time that coordinators matter. Offensive, defensive, it's in a game like this. And to me, the coordinator is going to matter the most for the Cowboys offensively. And here's why. When you look over the last two games that the Niners and the Cowboys played, they were under the leadership and the play calling of Kellen Moore. I, for one, nothing personal, never was a fan of Kellen Moore's offense. I thought Kellen Moore, as an offensive play caller, Kellen Moore had a collection of plays. Like, he had a bag. And Kellen Moore had a bunch of players in this bag. And I thought he would just randomly pull plays out of his bag with no rhyme or reason. He One play wasn't setting up another play to set up another play to set up another play. It was just kind of a like, it was like, it was like kind of a close my eyes, reach into this, this bag of goodies, and whatever I pull out, that's what we're going to run. And so a lot of times when you play in games, especially playoff games, where things get really tight and you have to have an answer, I, I think Kellen Moore marched his offense out there and Dak Prescott out there with plays that didn't have answers to what the defense was doing. And that affected the Cowboys. Last year, there were two interceptions in that game because a lot of what Kellen Moore did was he, what we call, man concepts. A lot of his routes for the receivers were man routes. They, they work best against man-to-man -man coverage. Well, Jess, what happens when they run zone? I'm glad that you asked. So now when you're trying to run man routes into zone coverage, Guys are being covered. And now the quarterback doesn't have an answer on to where to throw the football. So he either has to make a super precise throw. He either has to make a contested throw. Or he puts the ball in harm's way. And with this Niners defense, you put the ball in harm's way enough, they're going to make you pay. And I thought that was a lot of what Dak had to deal with. And I'm not, I'm, I am not a Dak apologist. I will tell you when Dak is right. I will tell you when Dak is wrong. At the end of the day, when the ball comes out of his hand, he makes the final decision, and it's on him. Now, if the ball comes out of receiver hand, it's on chest, that's on them. But I just always felt Kellen Moore did not equip Dak Prescott with answers to the test that he was given from the defensive coordinator. I think now. When you see the way that they are efficient, the way Dak is willing to take profit, whether it's large or small, there are more answers to the test 
now than we've seen in the past. And I know a lot of people are probably saying to themselves, well, Jess, this offense really hasn't exploded yet. This offense really hasn't been, you know, 300 yards and da-da-da-da-da. And I get it. I understand what you're saying. I'll, to you, I will counter that by saying, I don't think this offense has truly had an opportunity to really flex his muscles. And I say that because look at the three wins they've had. All those games have really been decided by halftime. A 40-burger in New York. Um, they blew out the Jets at home. Nobody showed up in Arizona. And then you have what you have against the Patriots, 38-3. It was over. I told y'all, when, 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 when Bones Fossil ran that fake field goal, fake extra point for two points, pack him up. Pack them jokers up. It was over. So offensively, you don't when when you're up 18 points, when you're up two touchdowns, 17 points at halftime, and you can kind of look at the game and go, man, they, they don't really have anything that we fear. Your job is now as the offensive play caller and the offense is let's just control the ball. Let's not put the ball in harm's way. Let's not turn the ball over. And let's just grind this game out. We don't, we don't have to do anything over the top to win this game. This game is already in, in, in hand. So I think this offense really hadn't had a chance to fully blossom yet because of the form and fashion in which they won their three games earlier this year. I think that is beginning to develop. And I think when you play a team like the Niners, where I, I would be hard-pressed to believe that at halftime this game will be decided. I think it's still going to be a game where now you really got to dig into your bag and have a game plan to go against a team that is equal to or better than you, both offensively and defensively. So the Cowboys have opportunities to do so. I think the running game is good. I don't know if you're going to have Tyron Smith back this week. Tyler Biotis is going to be there. Tyler Smith, who's rated out the highest offensive player in all of football last week. He's good. He's good, ladies and gentlemen. And you can, you can, you can, you can forget any thought about him going to play left tackle. Tyler Smith, Tyler Smith is not your left tackle anymore. They have decided to leave that young man at guard, and I'm okay with it because he's settled in. And when you're a young player trying to trying to learn your way in this league, being able to settle in at one position and really lock in on the skills that it takes to be successful in that position is better for a younger player. Tyler Smith is your left guard going forward. Tyler Bialis is your center. And I'm praying, to, I'm praying to my God, I'm praying to my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that, that Zach Martin is able to go in this football game. Because you're gonna need it, you're gonna need it. And if you have those guys with Terrence Steele, and I don't, I don't, I don't know the condition on Tyron Smith. He's been out the prior two weeks. He worked on the side today with the rehab group. I don't know what he's going to be for the game. I hope he plays. It, it would, it would help. But I don't know. But at least having some stability will help the Cowboys. You got to get the run game going. You're not gonna be able to run at these dudes. They give up 63 yards rushing. On the year. They are assignment sound. Well, I think the Cowboys, what they do have in their favor is they have their Jimmys and Joes at the receiver position are better than the better than the Niners, Jimmys and Joes at the cornerback position. There are a ton of plays that can be made, double moves, slants, hitches. Um, I, I want to see a bunch of shallow crosses. I want to see a bunch of deep crosses because they try to either play man or they try to pass things off. And anytime that you have a DB in trail position, throw the ball. Throw the ball to that guy running really fast. And I think with Brandon Cooks 
and 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 Ceedee Lamb and Michael Gallup and and, and Jalen Tober, I think they have the ability to win some of those matchups. I think Dak Prescott will play better in this game because I think he has better answers. I didn't think he had the answers with Kellen Moore. I think now he understands that you know what, I don't I don't have to go win this game in the first quarter. I don't have to put the ball in harm's way. One thing about this Niners defense is they swarm to the football. I mean, you'll be hard-pressed to watch a game with the Niners. and when, 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 Whatever the ball is at, whether down the field, whether it's in the backfield, whatever, man, it's five, six, seven, eight guys to the football. Every time. Every time. Their jerseys are going to dominate the area where the ball carries at. They swarm to the football. And so when you put the ball in harm's way, they tip the ball, deflections, all that kind of stuff. They have the opportunity to make the interceptions because they're around the football. But the Cowboys can make plays on their cornerback. Told y'all I'm not trying to be messy. Thought that there's something going on with CD. His energy is a little bit off. His demeanor is a little bit off. I'm, I'm not being messy. Just look at it. Something to check out. But he has to step up. He has to play big, especially when we get in the red zone. The Cowboys... No, they see 88 on his jersey and they may think that's Des Bryant. I'm not saying that that CD can't be a good red zone target, but if you're going to run that fade route that they've been running in the red zone with CD Lamb, I need better effort, CD. And I, and I, I need better effort at the line of scrimmage. You got to win that route at the line of scrimmage. All that's coming off slow, lollygagging, all that kind of stuff. You got to dominate the line of scrimmage. Make him make a decision and go. And then be big. Be a strong force. Go up, grab the football. But this is going to be a good game. Offensively, the Cowboys, they 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 have some advantages. Like I said, at the receiver position, tight end group, you got to show up. Now, as far as defensively, when it comes to the Niners, they don't do anything special. They're scheme-wise, 4-3 defense, base defense, even front, nothing special but they have special players. Their scheme isn't special. They aren't doing anything exotic. They aren't doing anything confusing. They just got dogs. Headed by Nick Bosa. They got, they're up front. Eric Armstead, Javon Hargrave, we know him from Philadelphia. Um, Nick Bosa and Keelan Farrell, all first rounders. All first round, all high drive picks, all guys who anywhere on the other in the other team, they would be the star guy on that team. That's their front four. And they rely heavily on. They're not doing a bunch of blitzing. What they're relying is they're gonna they're gonna line up in that wide nine technique, meaning those defensive ends, at least on one side, gonna be wide. Which means that tail gotta really get out, and that's how they create space for those guys to work underneath. But this defense, man, if 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 Usain Bolt was born to run, if Steph Curry was born to shoot threes, if Simone Biles was born to flip, Fred Warner was born to play linebacker. He, he is everything. He's fast. He's physical. He's smart. He can read keys. He can read plays. The, the thing that he probably suffers with this year a little bit that you can probably catch a few passes on him. But other than that, Fred Warner is a Probably the best linebacker in football. Period. Fred Warner is a dog. 
And Steve Wilkes, who's their defensive coordinator, he trusts those guys. He trusts his corners way more than I would trust his corners because he puts them on the island at times in their man-to-man coverage or their cover three coverage. But uh, their front seven is so smart and so physical and so disciplined. They are so disciplined. But they don't do anything funky. They don't, they, they'll do a simple, you know, T.E. stunt, tackle in twist. That's about it. They ain't they, they nothing exotic like you see, um, you know, the 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 Patriots do, or you might see the Jets do. They're not exotic. They're straight up and down, they're right in front of you, and that's just what it is. I call this defense, this is a playing the percentages defense. This defense is 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 it's simple, it's simplistic in its form, but it has exceptional players. And they're just gonna say to you, we're gonna play the percentages. We're gonna play our normal front, we're gonna play zone coverage, we make be splashing a piece of man-to-man every now and then. They're gonna say, if you have a 12-play drive, if we give you 12 plays, our thing is you may you may have a big run. You may have a big pass. But what we're, what we're banking on is in four quarters of football, you're going to make a mistake. We're going to say we're if we do everything right as far as alignment, assignment, energy, effort, tenacity, ferocity, ferociousness, run to the football. If we do that for four quarters, if you think you're going to keep dropping back and hitting us down the field, you're wrong. You may get it once. But the next time, here come Nick Bosa. The next time, here come Javon Hargrave. The next time, we'll, 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 we'll hurry you and you'll rush your throw. We'll get a deflection. We'll get an interception. They're, they're playing the percentages. And over time, and if their offense is going really well and, and they got up a touchdown, they're up uh, 10 points, 14 points. Now you're one. Now you're, you're playing with one hand behind your back. And they're just saying, well, the percentage is really in our favor now because now you have to pass the ball. So we like our reigning defensive player of the year having an opportunity to work his skill set while your quarterback is taking five and seven step drops. They are a, they are a playing the percentage defense. They're going to let you make the mistake. They're going to feel like you can't read through this zone fast enough so the ball will be rushed. It will be off. It will be offline. We'll get our hands on it. We'll hit. We'll, we'll do all these different things. And eventually we'll break you. Eventually you will come undone and we will capitalize. That's it. That's it. They, they, they understand that you will make the mistake. That's what they're living off of. And they're 4-0 doing it right now in dominant fashion. But there are plays that can be made on this defense. They have the names. They got, they got the young kid, uh, Hufunga, who looks like uh, a young Troy Palomalu, who, by the way, his mentor, Troy Palomalu. <laughs> he looks exactly like his mentor. Exactly like his mentor. He's smart, exactly like his mentor. He's going to play down close around the line of scrimmage, but he he's physical, he's fast, he's smart. He, if anybody's playing some games with you, it's going to be him. He's going to be up, he's going to be back, he's going to be in, he's going to be out. He, he's, he's trying to confuse a little bit, but for the most part, it's easy peasy, man. It's, it's going to be, it's going to be the clash of the Titans. And this is so big for the Cowboys, not even in the win-loss column. And that is important because if you lose to them, now you're down two games. 
to to the Niners and to Philadelphia. And that that has its implications when we get to the playoff talk, whether you're going to be in the playoffs or out of the playoffs, on the road or at home, that has later on down the, down the year. But mentally, mentally, it, it does something to you when you go to a, you face a team in the past, they've bullied you and they've beat you. And now you have another opportunity to kind of almost rectify it a little bit, just to give yourself a little bit of confidence. I think that's where it matters the most. Is can the Cowboys get that small monkey off their back of saying, we can beat this team. We, we, you know what? We do belong on the field with this team. This team is not superior to us. We, we, we like our chances versus this football team. But in the words of the great Ric Flair, in order to beat a man, you got to beat the man. And that's the only way to do it. There is no such thing as I don't believe in moral victories. If you if you are a moral victory believer, you're wrong. I want no parts of you. I want no part. I, moral victory. There's no such thing as moral victory. I think there's lessons and losses. Yeah, sure. There's no moral victory. Give me all the victories. I don't want it morally. I want the actual victory. And so there, there is no moral victory to be won in this game. There was actual wins that need to be won in this game. The Cowboys need this. They need this, like I said, not only for the win column, but just for the for the for the for the psyche of them. Because let's be honest. They they got they got bullied. They got bullied at home. They got bullied at home. When I when I, I remember covering when 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 the Niners came out of the tunnel, they had the big boom box. Big boom box. And they were playing Super Gremlin. I said this the other day. They were playing Super Gremlin. At the time, they had Jimmy Garoppolo. And he's rapping the Kodak Bug lyrics. And you got Debo. And you got Big Trent Williams with the visor on. And he's, he's about big as King Kong. And they walk into the field and it, it and they punched us in the face. They punched the Cowboys in the face. And I knew in that moment that if they got the physical upper hand on us, they would dominate. And they did. And they got the physical upper hand on us and they never, they never relinquished the hold. And they, and they just they 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 headlocked us and they noogied us. They they did the whole little bro thing where you you put your hand and you try to little bro trying to get us for four quarters. And they walked out of the stadium victorious. The Cowboys have to find a way to kind of go, all right, you've been big bro for a while, but I've grown up. It reminds me a quick little story, little Jesse story time. And, and God rest the dead. My uncle, my uncle Ronnie, my favorite uncle. I love him to death. He passed away. Uh, um, this past spring, but I, it, it was, a, it, my uncle was the, was the male figure in my life. And all my life, I looked up to my uncle as he was, he was like a superhero, right? He had muscles. He was about six foot. He had real, he's a mechanic. So he had real big hands, like vice grips when he grabbed you. 
And he was always who I kind of measured my, my toughness and my strength with. And as you get older, my uncle was one of those kind of guys where um, if, if you tried to act grown up, like older or grown around my uncle, he put you in your place. Oh, you, you think you're ready for, for, to fight a man? He punched you in the chest real hard. Mm. I run in the house crying to my grandma. Grandma, Uncle Ronnie hit me. She said, what did you do? I said, I was out there. She said, well, Mom, he, he out there showing out. He think he ready for it, so I punched him in the chest. And she goes, well, well, you, you thought you was out there ready? And she let it go. And year after year after year, I grew taller. I wasn't big, but I grew taller, taller, taller. And I, and I try him, I try him. And he, he boom, boom, sent me in the house crying. And then I went off to college. And I got in a weight program. And my shoulders began to broaden out. And I got stronger. And, and, and I had muscles. I had a little mustache, you know, had some women, felt like I was the man. And I remember coming home after my sophomore year. And I remember coming home up to like 215 pounds. Now I'm, I'm, I'm looking good, Tay. I'm looking good. And my uncle, we were coming, we were in the house and it was a narrow stairwell, Right. And he's coming down, I'm coming up. And now to get both of us two men, somebody has to break and turn sideways. That already made my mind up. I'm not turning sideways. I'm no longer big, I'm no longer little bro. I'm no longer, I'm not turning sideways. And I'm in his mind, he said, I'm big bro. I'm not turning sideways. So here it is. Uncle Ronnie's coming down the steps. Nephew Jess, who is about 20-something years old, I feel I feel like a man. I'm, I, you know, I got a little, I'm, I'm on my own, I'm paying my own bills. I got weight on me. He's coming down. I'm coming up. Big uncle, little nephew, somebody has to break stride. We decide nobody's breaking stride. And we come. Shoulders raw and we bump shoulders. Boom. Now, when we bump shoulders, we kind of turn each other and we're looking at each other. I'm looking at him. He's looking at me. I'm looking at him. He's looking at me. He's looking at me. I'm looking at him. And we grab each other. We begin to tussle in this small little basement stairwell. And I remember, like, getting up under my uncle. I was squatting like 600 pounds. It's a true story. I remember squatting, I remember squatting out, and I remember picking him up. I'm, 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 I'm picking, I'm, I'm no longer little bro. I'm not, I'm no longer little Jess. And I'm picking my uncle up, and I'm, and I can feel the, I can feel the tension, and I'm winning. Then all of a sudden, I felt this sharp point in my side. And I was like, come on. I dropped him. I let him back down. And I looked. My uncle, who always, Always kept a pocket knife. At this point in time, he had reached into his pocket. I don't know how he did it. Flipped his knife out and stuck it into my side. He didn't puncture me, but he, he it was pressed up against my skin. And I, he looked me in my face. I looked him in his face and he said, I'm not playing with you no more. Now, I let him go. And I went on my way. I knew I wasn't little bro no more. He knew I wasn't little bro no more. He knew he had just locked horns with man.
He knew that at that moment, in the words of Shonuff, playtime's over, boy. He knew, he knew little Jess, he knew that punch in the chest wasn't going to do it now. And that's what the Cowboys have to be. The Cowboys have to decide, I'm no longer little bro. The Cowboys have to decide, I'm not turning my shoulder. The Niners are coming, we're coming. Pause. They're in this narrow NFC stairwell. It's going to have to go through one of these football teams to get to Vegas in February. This is the Cowboys moment to look in the face of Big Bro and go, I'm here. No more little bro me, dog. That's what I did to Uncle Ronnie. We locked horns. And he realized at that moment, you can't win no more. Yeah, you're going to have to grab that pocket knife. Because man to man, even with your grown man strength, I'm here. And he knew that there was no longer playing. There was no longer playing around with little Jess no more. Little Jess became a man. Cowboys, you have to become men. You have to defeat the Uncle Ronnie 49ers. That's what it has to be. That's the only way. There is no going around them. There is no going over them. There is no going under them. There is no dodging them. You got to go through them, Jokers. Micah, Dak, J-Ron, Curse, Tank, CD, who, you got to go through them. You, there is no dodging them anymore. There is no, we'll let somebody else clear the way for us. Nah. No more little bro. We are no longer little bros. We're no longer getting noogied. You're not giving us a wedgie. You're not holding our forehead and we're swinging all recklessly and aimlessly at you. No. We lock horns and you feel me lift you up. We lock horns and you feel me. You feel my power. You feel my strength. You look in my eyes and you realize this ain't little Jess. This ain't little Cowboys. We're different. You got to deal with me now. There is no around. You got to go through. That's the only way you get this thing. You have to decide I'm going through. I'm not turning my shoulder. I'm done turning my shoulder. I'm done going in the house crying to grandma. I got punched in the chest. I'm done. I'm done. I'm going to dominate you now. And then when I'm done dominating you, you'll respect me. And you'll know when you have to see us in January, we ain't little bro. But if you don't, if you get into this game and it's the same old outcome, yeah, you're going to keep pulling your drawers up, your butt. You little bro. You're going to keep getting a wedgie. No more wedgies. 
They not, you're not putting your knuckles in my head no more. No more noogies, no more wedgies, no more wet willies, no more pushing my forehead, no more stuffing me in the locker, no more none of that. Let's go. You have the team to do this, Cowboys. Now, got to play the game. They got your number. They are big bro. This is no doubt about it. They big bro. They bullied you the last couple times. Sunday night, we're going to find out. We're going to find out if you've grown up or we're going to find out if you're going to be back in the house crying to grandma because Uncle Ronnie punched you on the chest. All right, man, let's get into a round. Sports world. The Rangers. Yeah, I didn't think I knew baseball. I know. I'm. I'm. Listen, Jack Holly's outside. <laughs> the Texas Rangers sweep the Tampa Bay Rays. Formerly of the Devil Rays, right now Steve Irwin is uh, smiling down on us from heaven. Shout out to Steve Irwin. He appreciates us right now. Some of y'all will get that later. Some of y'all will catch that in the window later. But Steve Irwin is smiling down on the Texas Rangers from heaven and saying, hell yeah, boys. Way to go. Way to go. 12-year drought. The monkeys off their back. The, the, the Rangers have not won a playoff series in 12 years. They're 0-6 in the final games of those playoff series. That little, I'm not going to call it a gorilla. I'm going to call it an orangutan. They got the orangutan off their back. And that's the start. Producer, partner, Taylor Knight, he, he said, I got to give him credit. I got to give you credit. We, we had like a 15-minute argument. Tuesday? Monday? Monday. And everything that he said, he's like Mr. Cleo over there. He's like, he's got a crystal ball. Everything he said about what the Rangers could be in this series came to fruition. So I'm like, man, bullpen has been trashed. Pitching has been trashed. The bats ain't really been there. He's like, oh, he's like, but Jess, I'm telling you. Playoffs, everything changes. Baseball is the most unpredictable sport was bad yesterday could be great today what didn't go well for a month can go well for two weeks guys all of a sudden they they they, they were in the slumps during the regular season to get in the playoffs and things just change and by golly pitching was pitching bullpen was bullpenning players were playing Today, Nathan Ovaldi's come out, and he's six innings pitch, eight Ks, gave up one run. The bullpen came in, did they thing. The young bats, young and young. Evan Carter, I found this out. We were doing our research before the, before the show. I didn't know. Um, Evan Carter, his name was Full Count Carter in the minor leagues. The Rangers have found one. Shout out to Bochi. Shout out to CY, Chris Young for their, just their ability. A part of good front office scouting evaluation is to be able, yeah, the guys who are the five-star guys, those guys are, they're not hard to find, right? Those guys are there. But it's the guys where you have to see something that no one else sees. And a guy like Evan Carter 
When you look at where he was in high school, his whole senior year messed up because of COVID. Baseball, what was it? Baseball, uh, the writers of base, Baseball America, they didn't even have him on the list. No one had this guy ranked. No one had this guy voted. Nothing. And it takes the good, takes your cat eye. You got to put your cat eye in there. And the Rangers saw something to him, grabbed him in the second round. This is a, like players like Evan Carter spend years in the minors. Years. This kid's two years removed from high school. Two years, and now he's playing in the major. And, and it's always a it's always an iffy proposition because it, it's, a, it's a delicate proposition, I should say. Not an iffy, but a delicate proposition. When to bring a kid up? Is he ready? Does he have the tools? Because what you do in the minor leagues may not always translate to the major leagues. And whether it was a fluky situation while they called him up in September, it worked. It worked. And, and, and this is a kid, when you look at the skill set in baseball, they call it with five tool. Five tool. That means he's in his bag. Okay? That means he's in his bag. And I think the two things, and this might be like, not for all sports, but like I can, I can, I'm, I'm going to correlate it to all sports in the sense of if you can play defense, and if you, if whether it's a shot or whether it's a pass or whether it's at the plate, if you have the patience to be good in those areas, and you put in the work ethic, if you can start with those two things being a solid foundation, then I can piece all the rest of the stuff together. And Evan Carter is one of those guys. He has 70 at-bats between regular season when he got called up and eight at-bats. He has 62 in the regular season and eight at-bats in the playoffs. 20 of those have been full counts. This is where he got the name Full Count Carter from. Because of his patience at the plate. And that's rare for a young player. Hell, it's rare for some of the veterans in the game. They just come up hacking, swinging, swinging away. Closing their eyes and swinging for the fences. But when you have a player who's patient, who has the eye to see pitches, good pitches, bad pitches, understand count, understand where we're at in the game, understand runners on base, that is, a, that is a level of maturity that you don't see from a guy that's two years removed from high school. Most people thought this guy, hey, you got to go to school, he has to spend some time in college, do all that kind of stuff. Rangers was like, nah. When you can get a young player like that to the veteran squad of batters like Marcus Simeon, uh, uh, like Corey Seager, like uh, uh, um, Big Bombi, when you when you when you add when you add that level of youth, and, and you can add uh, uh, Josh Young in the mix as well. Now you have a good chemistry of good young players and good veteran players. Now when that when that thing is rocking and rolling, the sky's the limit. And to Tay's point, baseball is like football, basketball, you can kind of predict certain things. But baseball is one of the most unpredictable sports. It's the only sport where 30% is good. If you're 30% for 10 years, you go to the Hall of Fame. Like if you bat 300 for 10 years, you're probably going to the Hall of Fame. If you shoot 30% in the NBA, 
for one year, you might be in the G League. If you have 30%, if you have 30% completion percentage as a quarterback in the National Football League, you become Zach Wilson. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. No, I'm sorry, Zach. You didn't deserve this. You're, you, you become Justin Fields. 30%. You're out of the league. It's a weird, weird game. Pitching the same way. The days of guys going eight, nine innings, those are, those are done. Complete games are very rare nowadays. It's more rare than it's ever been. And the bullpen, if you're a Texas Ranger fan and you follow the Rangers, you understand just how inconsistent <laughs> and, and, and just unhinged the bullpen could be. That's, that's, an all, that's, an, that's an all teams. You just never know. And, and a good friend of mine, Mike Bassick, Mike, Mike made a point when it comes to bullpens, it's either you have it or you don't. Like, there's no practice for bullpenning. Either you can throw the pitch or you can't. Either you can get six outs or you can't. Because you, there is no place where you're going to get bullpen action. There is no, you're not going to practice coming out of the bullpen. You'll throw your bullpen sessions. You'll get yourself warmed up. But it's not like I can go and, and shoot 100 jump shots or free throws or whatever. It's either you got it or you don't. And a lot of times if you get in your head or you just off or whatever, man, one game or one save attempt can turn into expire out of control. But you can get to the playoffs. Things change. Bats came alive. Pitching came alive. This team has kind of been up and down, even even down to the point where they they lost the last game of the season, didn't win the didn't win the West, but it was just like, all right, we here. And the playoffs in any sport is always the third season. You have your preseason, you have your regular season, then you have your postseason. And to their credit, right now. On to the next one. They'll play the Baltimore Orioles Saturday. The Saturday, the first game, Baltimore. In Baltimore. I want to go there. I just want some crabs from Baltimore. That's it. I just want I just want a bushel. I can take down a bushel by myself. Yeah. Yeah, man. Obey. I like extra obey on mine. Fresh from the water. Man. Yeah, 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 I'm all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I am a, I am a crab eating expert, and I'm not pausing that. I'm a crab eating expert. Rangers take on the Orioles this Saturday. Go Rangers, man! It's exciting, man. We, we, we'll get a home game. You're going out. You're going out there. I may, I may go out there. I may go out and check the Rangers out at home. It's a good time for baseball. Sports are sporting right now. You got college football, you got NFL, you got playoff baseball. The NBA is around the corner. WNBA finals are starting. This is the, honestly, I know they say December, the most wonderful time. This is the most wonderful time of the year right here. This September, October bubble, the sports bubble right now, man, you walk, I walk around football, sports horny all day. Because everywhere you turn, there's some action happening. It's some action happening, and I love it. But shout out to the Rangers. Kick butt, man. Bring it home. Bring it home. All right. Uh, to the National Football League. 
I was just to say the, the 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 Taylor Swift league. Ever since Taylor Swift and, and Travis Kelsey have gotten together, this is this is taking over. It was Dion taking over sports. Now it's the Swifties, and she showed up in Kansas City, and then she showed up in New York, and the NFL has absolutely loved it. They have eaten it up. They have eaten it up so much that people are like, I were tired. They had, they had Taylor Swift as their background. They had Taylor Swift on. And people didn't like it. Players didn't like it. Fans didn't like it. And the NFL had to come out today and they had to defend their love for the shield slash for Taylor Swift. And it was like, hey, we do this kind of for, for everybody. Whenever there's something popular that's happening in the world, we kind of pop culture, we kind of uh, associate ourselves with that. So remember this, but I mean, to show Taylor Swift seven times in a Sunday night football game, that was actually more competitive than what most people would have given credit for. Coming into that game, you thought you would have had to see Taylor Swift seven, eight, nine, ten times because the Chiefs have blown the Jets out. But no, it was a competitive game. The focus should have been on the game. But the NFL is all about that dollar-dollar bill, y'all, about that cream. Cash rules everything around me. Cream, get the money. Dollar-dollar bill, y'all. And the NFL was like, Taylor Swift is the hottest thing right now. I told y'all it's always about business. Always about business. Taylor Swift is winning because she has a documentary coming out next week. The NFL is winning because more viewership is coming from the Swifties. She has millions and millions of followers all over the world who are now being introduced to football. Football wants to be a global brand. They want to be like basketball. That's why you see the games in Germany, in London. They're talking about games in South America. There's games in Mexico City. They want to take this thing global. And honestly, Taylor Smith, Taylor Smith, Taylor Swift is a pathway into that global fan fandom. She ain't, she ain't selling out all these records just in a North America. No, she's a global icon. Global icon. Swifties abroad. And the NFL has hitched their wagon to the Swift, to the Swift tour, to the Swift train. But even Travis Kelsey's come out and says, uh, well, I should say, Travis Kelsey kind of downplayed in his brother. Jason uh, Kelsey was like, it. they're doing too much. You're doing too much. But who am I? I don't run the NFL. Roger Goodell, no billion dollar owner. They're all about the bread, which I appreciate. I appreciate it. But we're tired of the, we're tired of the Taylor Swift conversation. Sorry, Swifties. Don't come at me. Only come at me if you like, subscribe to my page. Only go. Only come at me if you're gonna go on Spotify and Apple and download and leave me some comments and leave me a five star. Other than that, I want no smoke. I want. Let me wave the. Wave the white flag, Swifties. I want no smoke with the Swifties. I am too old for smoke with the Swifties. Please. I'm just saying we good. We good on the NFL and Taylor and the Swifties. We just let us play football. No smoke from the Swifties.
I appreciate you all. But yeah, the NFL, y'all doing a little bit too much. Um, you know who else is doing a little bit too much? I shouldn't say doing too much. You know who else is spice? This, this, this is, pumpkin spice is usually the spice of the season right now. October, November, the fall months, it's usually pumpkin spice. There's a lot of jalapeno spice going on right now in sports. And I, for one, I like a little spice in my life. And there's been a bunch of spice that's been happening, man. Uh, starting with our boy Dak Prescott. Earlier this week, Todd Archer, beat writer, reporter for ESPN, uh, was in the post-game press conference last Sunday talking to Dak Prescott. And he brought up the Niners and 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 basically the Cowboys being little bro and the intercept, stuff like that. And, and Dak responds with, you know, yeah, thanks for pissing me off now. Like now, if you if you if if, if I needed any more motivation, I I'm I'm pissed. And and I like spicy Dak. Pause. I don't know the flavor of Dak. That's that ain't my cup of tea. <laughs> it's not my cup of tea. Okay, but I like attitude spicy Dak. And I hope that he keeps that. Like I told y'all earlier, you can't big, you can't big bro me no more. And Dak, Dak's a little bit, he's a little bit coming unhinged. Usually Dak gets to the press conference and gets to the podium, and he's always right answer, right tone, right message, accountability. I'll take that. My fault. The team. He gives you all the politically correct answers. Dak tired of y'all. Dak tired of y'all coming at his cranium. Dak tired of y'all coming at his performance. Dak tired of y'all coming at everything that related to what he is about. And he's, he's snapping back. I like it. I like a little spicy in my life. The spicy continues. Who is my next spicy? Oh, Jamar Chase. Star wide receiver for the Cincinnati Bengals. Boy, losing bring out the spiciness of us all. When, you, when things ain't going right, and especially from a receiver. Boy, we some divas. Ooh, we some divas. We are the most de we diva. We the devious of divas. There's no more divia. There's no more divaness than the wide receiver position. None, especially the greats. Jamar Chase, one of the greats, one of the elites. I put him in that conversation. But things ain't going right in Cincinnati. They came out and they were they were supposed to be the one to challenge challenge the Chiefs in the AFC for the crown. Joe Burrow messes up his calf. Things ain't quite right. Jamar Chase is not eating the way he's eating. They're not winning. Things ain't happening. It's supposed to be happening. And they asked Jamar Chase about, you know, about being open. Jamar Chase, I won't use the language that he used because I'm a man of the Lord. And I don't use that language. Thank you, Jesus. But Jamar Chase, they asked him about, you know, opportunities and being open and Jamar Chase just simply said I'm all I'm open I'm always f word open then he excused his profanity but he's he's he ticked off Jamar Chase wants the football he he got a little Keyshawn in him got a little Keyshawn throw me the damn ball give it to me and I ain't mad at him when you as good as Jamar Chase you always believe that you're open not really if you're a wide receiver, you always believe that you're open. But if you're good as Jamar Chase, 9 to 9 of 10, you're probably open. you probably open. They should probably get you the football. But Joe Burrow just can't get him the football right now. And so 
Another spicy. And and Giannis. No more eating glizzies on. Giannis ate a glizzy. He had a brat. It was the first time ever having a brat. First of all, do ketchup is the worst condiment. And anybody that wants to comment on that, please do. Ketchup is the worst condiment ever. No, 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 no. Ketchup is the worst condiment, period. Ketchup is trash. Shout out to my boy, Sam Nix. My boy, Sam Nix, it's never adding ketchup to the meal. My boy, Sam Nix, adds meal to his ketchup. That's how much ketchup he puts on his stuff. Hate eating with, I shouldn't say hate. I love eating with my brother. But I hate eating with my brother because he puts ketchup. He puts a crazy amount of ketchup. You know I'm not lying, Sam. A crazy amount of ketchup on his stuff. Giannis puts the ketchup on the on the brat glizzy and just chomps it down in full plain view of the public. And was like, yup, this is... There needs to be a show. There needs to be a show because, of course, we know Giannis is from Greece. So Giannis tasting the American cuisines needs to be a show. But Giannis... I mean, he took the glizzy off the watch call it, put it on the bun, slapped ketchup on it, yoked it. <laughs> Whoa, pause, Giannis. Giannis is spicy too. They asked Giannis about why don't you train with anybody? And Giannis went on like a two-minute soliloquy about why would I want to train with somebody that I'm trying to beat? Okay. He said, I'll train with you if you're not in the NBA. He goes, but if, if I'm training with you, I'm, you're stopping me from winning a championship. You, I'll work out with my teammates, but if why would I go and train with somebody who, in essence, is literally standing in between me and the Larry O'Brien? And I get his point. Then he, then he goes into it. He goes, well, and then on top of that, he goes, if I train with you all all season now, when I come to your city, we got to have dinner. Or you come to my city, you calling me, and now I got, I got to take you to dinner. We got to hang out. And he's like, I don't want to do none of that. I don't want to do none of that. I, I don't want to train with nobody that's in the NBA. I don't want nobody training with me that's in the NBA. I want to be focused on winning a championship. And a part of me understands it. A part of me respects it. A part of me is now having to better understand, especially the players that are coming from abroad, their level of isolation when it comes to the culture and what the NBA has now become. And there, there, there are two extremes, okay? There is your Giannis, there is your Lucas, there is your Jokers, Joker, Joker who goes back to Serbia. Luka goes back to Slovenia. Um, Giannis goes back to Greece. And I'm sure when, Wim, when Wimby, when he gets to his, he's probably going to go back to France. But these foreign players who are now firmly embedded in the, in the NBA game, their whole thing is, I, I'm going back to my culture. I'm going back to my homeland. I'm going back to my motherland. And I'm going to do my work there. And I get it. And then on the other extreme, you have your LeBron James, you have your Carmelo Anthony's of the world, you have you, you have the guys who are from America, um, grew up playing with these players, then they have the AAU, 
Now you have the Drew Leagues and you have the UCLA pickups and you have the New York pickups, uh, pickup basketball game, and you have all these games and all these players, they come together and they work out with the same trainers and so on and so forth, and it becomes a buddy-buddy group. We got to find, we got two extremes. We got isolation, overpopulation. And I'm not with, I don't know if I'm with either. Because a little bit of me agrees with Giannis, a little bit of me agrees with Luca and, 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 and Joker. But also, I come from the culture of the LeBrons and the Mellows and the overpopulation because I played high school in the same state. I played college ball. I played in the same AAU teams. I played in the league. So I, I get it. There has to be this healthy median of the isolation and overpopulation. Think. I don't know who that is who has a healthy of, I'm going to do my own work. But I might get some shots up with y'all. Because I do think the guys who isolate themselves, the Giannis's of the world, the Lucas of the world, it makes it very difficult for them to gain teammates. Now, I know you're going to say, well, Giannis won a world championship. Correct. And he did it his way. But he didn't get free agents to come to Milwaukee. They built a, they built a really good squad. He, he honed his game up and it, and it worked. And then you're going to say, well, 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 Joker, he didn't. That's fine. I get it. They built a good squad around. They drafted well. They built well. They traded. They got the pieces around them. And Joker, two-time MVP, took this team to the, to the finals and won. But I think those two, over the span of what the NBA is, is more of an anomaly that it, what's going to be going forward. Because I can look at the other side of things and go, wow, the guys that are actually around each other and, and, and working out with one another, they're actually building super teams. Now Giannis has kind of formed his super team now with the trade of Damian Lillard. And you hope that works out. But I look at Luka and I'm like, I don't know if Kyrie's the answer, but you got to get some players that want to come play basketball with you. And I think a little bit of it has to do with, hey, stop isolating yourself. You're one of the best players in the world. Sometimes you got to go to Vegas for a couple of days. Go pull up to the UCLA game. The Ruck, we talked about the Rucker the other day. The Rucker's kind of dead, but pull up to the Drew League. Right? Let the fans see you. Uh, become a fan favorite. Be, become a household name outside of the people who enjoy the NBA, the casuals. Let them know you. Let them feel. Let them touch you. Let, let them see your game. Let the kids on let the kids in the, in LA and New York and all those other places feel you. Feel you. And become a fan of you. And then build the relationships. I'm not saying you gotta go to the overpopulated crew, but you gotta you gotta leave the isolation a little bit. Don't go to overpopulated, but come to the, as they say in the jail, gym pop. Come to gym pop. General population. Come to gym pop. I learned that in uh, what was the prison movie with Adebisi and um, it's on HBO a long time ago. And when you get old, you just forget stuff. Oh, what's the name of that? Dang, Adebisi with a little hat to the side, and they had the Irish dude who does the Allstate commercials. Yeah, gotta come to gym pop. So they call it an Oz. 
And then you got to finish up to finish off player spice, you got Josh Jacobs. Losing brings out all the spiciness. Josh Jacobs, running back of the Oakland Raiders. I'm sorry, running back of the Las Vegas Raiders. He said he's tired of losing, man. I'm tired of losing. Fans are yelling at the owner. They're spicy. They're, they're yelling at uh, uh, Mark Davis and, and, and telling him that he needs – they said, they said I, I won't say what they said to him. But he's telling them, smarten up, smarten up. And they're like, no, you smarten up, bro. Don't get no more bowl cuts. And get rid of Josh McDaniel. No, they didn't say that. They said that's the other choice words. But I, I love, 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 love spicy players, spicy coaches. Um, Mike Malone, spicy. LeBron and AD talking about we can't wait to play Denver. I don't know why they said that, but they Mike Malone was like, I ain't worried about them. If they still worried about what we did four months ago, they 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 wrong. I'm not worried about the Lakers. The Lakers worried about us, cool. And I get it. You can stand at that point when you won the championship. And I think the Lakers should be more focused on, I know you want to chase the champion, but AD, play more games. <laughs> street clothes, play more games. Before you start, play more games, street clothes. Um, yeah, but give me good spicy. I, I'm I'm um, the spice of life. Spicy's good. Spicy's good in sports. I like spicy Dak. I like spicy Giannis. Jamar Chase, I feel you, brother. Wide receiver to wide receiver. You want the rock. You always open. We always think that. What about, uh, before I leave out of spicy, Greek Freak, Dame Lillard, together now. The name for Greek Freak and Dame Lillard, what y'all think? Freak time. Freak time. Greek Freak, Dame time. Freak time. I'm 50-50. I'm 50-50. Is there a dance to freak time? Like, is there like, 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 oops. It's like, if you get an and one, if Giannis dunks on somebody, is he going to like, like, like hump? That, you know what I'm saying? If Lillard shoots a 40 foot three, is he going to be like, is he going to do, if you're not going to do a hump to it, I don't want it. I'm sorry. Pause. If you're not going to do a hump to it, don't call yourself freak time. Something freaky got to come out of this. You got to do the old school prints. You got to hit, like, hit like a game winner. You can't do this no more, Dame. No more Dame time. You hit the 40-foot float off the three-pointer with the clock running down. You got to do the lower, little prints thing. You got you to do something like that. You, can't, you can't, can't do the Dame time no more. Freak time, I'm 50-50. I'm 50-50. If you're telling me we got gyrations in it, I'm all in. No gyrations, I'm out. I'm in the middle. I'm leaning towards yes if I get gyrations. I'm out if y'all just going to go with the name. I need something with it. You know, LeBron does the, uh, uh. he does the crown. I'm with it. You know, King James, you put the crown on, I'm with it. You know, back in the day, uh, oh, oh, still now, Chef, St Chef, Steph Curry will give you the shimmy. I'm with it. Uh, James Harden used to give you the, I'm cooking. What's some more they used to do? Um, who else? I don't know, but give me something with your name. Like you just can't be out here with the with the freak time and y'all got nothing. A, a three pump minimum. A three pump gyration minimal or leave the name alone.
You got to give me something. You you can't you can't you cannot have a swaggy name and not have the swag to go with it. Everybody has a swag. Any, anybody that has a name has something to go with it. You know what I'm saying? So we'll see how that goes. All right, let's end with this right here. I told y'all, it's never a segment if we don't add Dion to it. Never. The Colorado Buffaloes, the primetime Colorado Buffaloes, four out of their five college football games have been the most watched football games in all of college football. Four of their five games. On top of that, Four, uh, two of their Pac-12 games have been the most watched games. Their USC and their Colorado State games have been the most watched Pac-12 football games in all of Pac-12 history. Primetime is in full effect. But I think they come to an end this weekend. Not because they're going to lose, because I think the attention is now going to be on the Red River rivalry. Said it right. I thought I was going to stumble through it. That's why I slowed it down. Texas, Oklahoma at the Cotton Bowl this Saturday. I think this is going to be the must, much, much, I stumbled on that. The most watched game this weekend. You have two undefeated teams. This is a pivotal point for, for, for both uh, Brent Venables and for Steve Sarkeesian. Both of these programs have historically, you go, if you go to Texas, you're looking to beat Oklahoma. If you go to Oklahoma, you're looking to beat Texas. And now they're both in a position where they're undefeated. They both have legitimately real chances, and I think Texas more than Oklahoma, to find themselves in the college football playoffs and vying for a national championship. These type of games right here can catapult you into that conversation. Uh, and I think Texas is hovering around that top uh, uh, one spot right now. But you win games like this, you set yourself up to be in the national championship conversation. And both of these programs have really been putting it on this year. Um, I actually might go to this game. I might, I might go to this game this weekend. I might. I might. I, I, got, I got a ticket guy. So that's my dude, Bob. This is Bob, what's up? I might, I might find a seat. What side I'll be sitting on? I don't know. No, I'm sitting on the Texas side. I got relations over there. My boy, Tashar, the coach. Um, running backs coach, he got another one, boy. Uh, Jonathan, what's it, Jonathan? Uh, shoot, I'm drawing the blank. Jonathan, um, running back. Brooks? Is it Jonathan Brooks? What's the running back's name? Jonathan what? Taste typing, don't worry about it. Jonathan is his name. I know that. He got another one. Jonathan Brooks, right? I was right. Jonathan Brooks, trust yourself, Jess. Tashard has coached Jameer Gibbs when he was at Georgia Tech. They transferred to Alabama. Tashard has uh, coached B. Don Robinson. Atlanta Falcons running back. He got another one. Brooks had over 200 yards rushing this last week. It's going to be an epic battle. I'm leaning towards Texas. I don't have no affiliation. I ain't going to one of the schools. Oh, I do have, I do have like the almost like the burnt orange on, right? But my but but I have love. Jody Camillus. Is on the staff at Texas. Tashar Choice on the staff at Texas. I love both of them dearly. So I'm not, I'm not putting up the hook'em signs. But I'm just telling y'all where my where my loyalties lie. Those are my people. Jody get, got me paid in the league. Tashar is my brother for life. So I'm I'm leaning towards Texas. 
But I do want to say there's something that's very, very critical and why I put this the way I put this. There needs to be a conversation that's had. I'm going to try to make this as brief as possible because I know we've been going for a while. But there needs to be a conversation that's had. And I think right now, Dion is putting on a master class at Colorado in marketing. I think we've come to this point in time where we just feel like college football will take care of itself. It's like, it's like I know it's football and it's America and we eat up football in our university and our colleges. But we're, this is the, this isn't the old times. College football is, you just can't present it. It has to be packaged in a way that brings in the audience that you want to bring. What Dion has done in the, in, the, in the five weeks of college football where he's been able to market it is the reason why four of the five games that he's played in with a team who won one game last year. One. And most of their games are starting at 11 o'clock. That's not even really primetime football. When they beat, was it, uh, when they beat TCU, it was like, like 9 million, almost 9, it was 7.9 million. It was, the viewership was crazy. It was second to only to the Sunday night football game that was LSU Florida State. There needs to be a conversation with these universities, all of them. Because Alabama just, you just can't present Alabama anymore. You just can't present Georgia anymore. You just can't present, present LSU anymore, or Florida State or Miami, Notre Dame or Michigan. There needs to be a real conversation about the marketing of it. Not the PR people that work in the, in, in the business, but a true marketing. If Dion wants to make some extra money this offseason, you know how coaches go around and do these coaching clinics? Dion needs to go around and do marketing clinics. Because you just can't, there's too much stuff to take our attention away. And now you have to capture the eyes of people who have attention spans this small. So you have to figure out ways through the marketing tools, whether that's social media, whether that's YouTube, whether that's shorts or whatever it is, you have to figure out, and even with recruiting. We talked about this before. You just can't send hand, handwritten letters don't mean anything to these young kids anymore. To me, 20 years ago, it was everything. You go to the mailbox, look, mailbox. Kids ain't going to, you, what do I, ask your kid. Ask your son, your daughter, your niece, your nephew, your grandkids, whoever. When was the last time they went to the mailbox? They check an email. Check a TikTok. Check a DM. They ain't going to the mailbox. So there has to be a way, a class to figure out how. Right? AM, Baylor. When it was RG3 and it was it was Johnny Football, on top of the world. They've done nothing since then. You don't hear about them, you don't talk about them. They're not in the face of you. They're not in your face anymore. Like, what happened? These big games are happening all around. And yeah, they're on national TV, but what are the schools doing to now win over? You're going to have to do things now in a, in a marketing way to win athletes over. The NIL money helps. 
Big deal. Big business and IL money. But there needs to be a masterclass. There is a masterclass being put on by Prime and the Colorado Buffaloes that I think needs to go in a Smithsonian somewhere or needs to be on a world tour this college football offseason. We got to get back into the marketing game of college football. You just can't present it like you used to back in the day, and we just we eat it up. The older people will, but but we're not. You're not 18, 18 to thirty five. Half the people that's watching this right now, you ain't eighteen, and you ain't in between that eighteen, and you ain't thirty five. <laughs> How are you going to reach the eighteen to thirty five year old? That's the demographic that you're trying to reach, when, especially when it comes to sports. Got to market better. Got it. You can't. You cannot just roll your product out there anymore, and just say we're Alabama, we're Georgia. We're LSU. Yeah, locally, centrally, yes. But if you're going to grow this thing and be, make it as popular as it can be, there needs to be a master class in marketing that takes place. University, you need to pour money into marketing like you do the facilities. Get some marketing people. Tay phones, no, Tay's way too busy. Got way, my stuff happening. We, we, I, don't need, I don't need his attention to go nowhere else. But unfiltered with Jesse Holly and Fanatic Views. Dionys intends to go, no, don't call him. No, but you need to get people in the door that know this stuff, that knows how to reach 18 to 35. That needs to be a conversation that is had. All right, man, I've talked long enough. I appreciate you all being here. Like, subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend. Feel me. Do whatever it is you got to do. Go to Spotify, go to Apple. Wherever you may listen to an audio, visual, leave comments, five stars, do all that good stuff. Allow me to be a part of your life. I want to be a part of your life. I love you. I hope that you love me. I hope that you got something, that you learned something today. I hope that you laughed to tears came out your eyes. I hope that it was insightful. I hope it was fun. And I hope that you come back. I hope you listen longer than 15 minutes. I hope that after I gave you some love and some encouraging things in the beginning, you stayed to the end, to this moment that we're having right now. But that's all I got. I'm out. Remember, never let anyone tell you that their life is better than yours because it's your life. And stop playing with them demons. You're never going to defeat them if you enjoy playing with them. Eliminate the contingencies. I'm out! <laughs>